Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. It seems like everyone has a friend or a family member who's been through it, who joins a seemingly harmless group centred around wellness that rapidly goes downhill into a minefield of conspiracy theories. On this episode from our global news podcast, Today in Focus, journalist Michael Safi speaks to James Ball, whose book, The Other Pandemic, addresses this pipeline from wellness to conspiracy. Here's Michael Safi. James Ball is an investigative journalist, and lately he's been spending time with a woman called Jane. It was her idea to speak to me, but she really felt that she was committing an act of betrayal. Hmm. These were people she'd known for decades, but she was sufficiently worried and shocked by their behaviour that she did think it was something worth talking to a journalist about. Jane is an unlikely person to be a secret source in a story. She's not in the government. She's not high up in some corporation. She's just someone living her life. She was just quite a nice, semi-retired, older person. She's always been quite curious in what she called hippie-like things. She's liked meditation, alternative remedies, all of this. Sounds to have quite an idyllic life, splitting her time between Devon and London. And over the course of decades, built up a friendship group and a meditation group in her small Devon town that I promised not to name. For Jane, all the trouble started three years ago with a dangerous new virus and an order that everyone needed to stay home, which meant that for a while, she and her fellow meditators were cut off from each other. Essentially, I mean, this happened to a lot of people. You don't see a group or see people for a while during lockdown, and some people are quite radically different after it. And she'd ended up spending a lot of lockdown in London, whereas most of her group were still in the town. And they seemed to have essentially got quite a long way radicalised down the anti-vax, anti-Covid pipeline. Hmm. And, of course, there's nothing innately conspiratorial about being sceptical about why a vaccine might work, especially if it's a new one that seems like it's been rushed through. But what really startled her was she was unlucky and she caught COVID and she was hospitalised. It wasn't very serious, she said. She's recovered well. But one of her closest friends from that group was telling her over the phone when she was in hospital that she didn't have COVID because COVID wasn't real. Wow. And she was sort of saying, well, I'm in hospital. You know me, I'm real. And he said, well, you might be ill, but it isn't COVID. 
And that's where she sort of really saw that something had gone amiss. Something had gone amiss. And when the pandemic ended, it didn't get better. By the time she actually went back to her town and to this group, she said they were really quite radicalised down not just COVID and vaccine routes, but as tends to happen once people are into one thing, they sort of get into other conspiracies. And the moment she described as the final straw where she stopped going to this, and I think she's fairly estranged from a lot of these people, and she hopes that's temporary. But before a sort of meditation session, and of course meditation's meant to be about freeing your mind from worldly concerns, you're clearing it, getting a bit of inner peace. Mm -hmm. They were insisting that everyone should watch this conspiratorial YouTube video about 15-minute cities. Oh, no. You will only have 15 minutes of freedom here in the UK. So let me tell you the plan. And she said she wasn't trying to go, no one should watch it or kicking off too much about it. She just thought it wasn't appropriate before meditation. But it was a sort of, this must happen or else. And she just said it had got too strange for her. For most people, yoga is just yoga. Aromatherapy can be relaxing. Crystals healing somehow? For a small minority, wellness has become a gateway to a much darker way of looking at the world. And what begins as meditating in a room with your mates can end in an obsession with Bill Gates. What is the connection between wellness and conspiracy theories? And when someone's gone through the pipeline, how do you pull them back? From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, how far-out medicine is leading some to far-right politics. James, you've been looking into the pipeline between wellness and conspiracy theories and even far-right politics as part of your research for a new book called The Other Pandemic. Let's begin with what is wellness? How would we recognise it? So we most commonly think of wellness as essentially the sort of whole gamut of things from aromatherapy to homeopathy, Reiki, crystal healing and meditation cultures, alternative medicine type stuff. So after the consultation, I smudge my client, I make sure I cleanse their energy because we're about to go into ceremony. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with these. It's just they do seem to, for some people, be serving as a gateway into things that are harmful. And it often has this spiritual element, doesn't it? That's definitely one of the roots in. There's a sense that as we get more secular, people look for other explanations as to why the world is as it is. So there's that spiritual root in. But the other is where people start to take scepticism about the world and take it quite far. Mm, what you're learning from these gurus or from your yoga practice or whatever is something secret, what the medical establishment doesn't want you to know. Forbidden knowledge is definitely the secret ingredient. Wellness gives a lot of roots into people to say, you know, here's what your doctor's not telling you. All right, guys, so here are three things that your doctor didn't tell you about chronic pain. 
What doctors don't always tell patients is that every medication has side effects, including disempowering us from making the necessary changes needed to cure many, if not most, diseases. Here's what people don't want you to know because they don't want everyone to be in peak physical condition. If you are a sort of male, muscle, traditional masculinity influencer, there's often roots in on here's why they want feminized men, here's why they want soy boys, and this is why they're attacking traditional masculinity. If you're able to control the men and you're able to feminize the men, then you're able to control society to a much greater extent. Mm -hmm. As soon as there's a they, what they don't want you to know, that starts pulling you into conspiratorial thinking, even if the early stuff is quite harmless. And, you know, I think it is quite telling that one of the big wellness magazines is called What Your Doctor Won't Tell You. So where did wellness come from? Is it a new phenomenon? I think there have been variations of wellness probably for about as long as there's been civilization, Kellogg's cornflakes came out of a kind of ascetic wellness movement. There was a lot of belief that spa towns were essential for health. Mm. There's Chinese folk medicine. Paracelsus, who did the principle that like cures like, back in the classical era, that's still the basis for homeopathy and other treatments today. So... For most of history, we've had wellness, but not conventional medicine. We've had all of these theories as to how the body works and how it connects to the soul and the spirit to try and heal that weren't backed up by science. The sort of aberration is actually having a controlled clinical medical system. So wellness is probably actually older than medicine. In demographic terms, what kinds of people are most susceptible to being drawn into wellness? So it can happen to anyone, and that has to be stressed, but if there is a sort of absolute target group, it tends to be women probably from their late 30s onwards. Hmm. And a lot of the time, and it's important to flag this, is because this is a group that is let down by conventional medicine. Things like autoimmune disorders, about 80% of sufferers tend to be women. Mm. That's things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. Chronic illnesses, again, tend to be dominated by women and are very badly researched and badly treated. Chronic pain, people often end up just being told there is nothing more that conventional medicine can or will do for them. And obviously also, women get endometriosis, which is horrendously painful and debilitating and has very few good treatments. And so to say that these women are susceptible to wellness is kind of unfair in that they have very few other options. And by virtue of the placebo effect being strong or for all sorts of other reasons, they find benefit in this. And if you've been so badly failed by the establishment, by conventional medicine, and then wellness starts telling you other things, well, you're going to be quite amenable to those messages. And so when I say that it's overwhelmingly women that get firstly pulled into wellness and then pulled into conspiracies from that. It's not to suggest that it's because they're any more credulous than any other group or any less intelligent. It's just the conditions exist so that they are more likely to be the people who are in front of these messages. But it isn't just women either, right? You've been looking at men who are also drawn into this kind of world of alternative health and well-being. A lot of personal training is trying to 
look at ways to optimize your body and to maximize your body and what conventional advice and tested advice tends to be is pretty boring it tells you little bits about diet little bits about protein what your rest period should be and people want hacks Mm. there's a big culture of body hacks fitness hacks clever routes to really optimize you could be building muscle almost twice as fast as you are right now not with this but with stretch focused training which has seemed to crack the code to building muscle how would you like to look up to 20 years younger in just 28 days. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? And that gets quite similar to what wellness does. It's saying, here's what your doctor isn't telling you. Here's the extra secret cheat codes. Mm. And that's the sort of commonality. And of course, not every personal trainer believes that. And also a lot of people who believe fitness hacks never go down a conspiracy rabbit hole, just as most people who like homeopathy just like homeopathy and find it helps them out. So, James, up until the pandemic, what would you say the politics of this movement was? How did it manifest itself? The wellness movement tended to be thought of as fairly hippie and fairly left-wing. This wasn't always the case, but it's sort of its traditional image. It's got a very vegetarian, kumbaya kind of energy. You tend to think tie-dye and tambourines rather than machetes and AR-15s. Yeah. Um, But it's always been a little bit more complicated than that, and the pandemic really radicalised it. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Major cities across the country are looking more like ghost towns. Governments throughout Europe are announcing full and partial nationwide lockdowns to combat the growing number of confirmed coronavirus cases. Essentially... The medical establishment, instead of just running medicine, ran all of life. We're going to have to do a lot of things for really quite a long period of time. The question is, what is the best package? And this is what we're trying to work out. What I like to see is when people look at what we're doing and say you're overreacting. Doctors or public health officials were advising the government on whether you should be allowed to leave your house or not. Mm. We were being told that you might need a vaccine to go down into your local shop or your local pub or to go to the gym. And that felt like people were being told what they had to do with their bodies. And so if you were already sceptical of these as they take over your life and as they seemed to take over the government especially when you've got lots of time at home to watch YouTube, etc., you started seeing this anti-government, paranoid style really kick in among a lot of health influencers who suddenly found themselves on the same side of the argument as actually people who we would think of as traditionally far right. I guess if you're already inclined to think your doctor or public health experts are lying to you, you're going to have a bad time in a pandemic where they've suddenly become so much more powerful than they used to be. Exactly. If you don't trust doctors as an authority figure, the most draconian government measures that have been introduced in modern memory, coming from a medicalised emergency, that as well people could tie into Bill Gates and people don't trust billionaires, or could tie into China and people often don't trust China. There is a real toxic cloud of connections, real and imagined, that did give people lots of reason to sort of go something's wrong with all of this 
I'm not going along with this. If you don't realize yet that you are being lied to about the numbers, about how you're catching it, about all of this, you need to seriously research and research now. And they jump from, I don't trust the doctors, I don't trust the vaccines, to Bill Gates is evil, George Soros controls the world, and 5G is frying our brains. Well, if you're thinking shifts from, this is a real emergency, and I don't think they're tackling it right, to something doesn't add up about all of this, they're using all of this to control us, is it real? You start to need a bad motivation, and that's where you really make the big jump into full-blown conspiracy, whether that's about trying to reduce the world's population. And that one's tricky because Gates does talk about wanting to reduce fertility rates, but that's actually about trying to have families in less developed countries have fewer children who all survive to adulthood. But when you start seeing those quotes out of that context, it's easy to start putting something through with a sort of blend of real information, speculation and faked news mm. that starts looking very sinister. We're the people, mate. If we don't want the vaccine, we're the people, not you. You don't make the decisions for us. James, speaking to people who did go down this path, did you get a sense of what these theories were doing for them? Like, if wellness is filling the hole that mainstream science has left open, what's the hole that these conspiracies are filling? So, firstly, it provides answers when people don't feel like they have them. But also... There's something simultaneously empowering and disempowering about conspiracy. The disempowering side is you stop thinking that you can change the world through the ways you can actually change the world, campaigning or voting or political participation. But it's quite empowering to feel that you know truths that other people don't. Mm. And also... The way these movements tend to work, it's not, hi, I am the source of all knowledge, you will believe what I tell you. One of the most common messages in these kind of groups from the influencers who do the videos is, don't take my word for it, search anything I'm saying, Google anything I'm saying. And that helps them build credibility and trust. So whatever we're currently doing, it isn't working. Don't believe me, just do a quick research and do a quick search online. Even if you never Google it, which of course most people don't. And then the big additional thing, especially during lockdown, which is what catalyzed a huge amount of this, is it gives you a community. Yeah. And not just a friendship group, but a community with a mission. You and your friends are going to try and find the next piece of evidence that will help solve all of this. You've got you and your gang against the world. And you can see why that's a compelling sell, especially for people who might be quite isolated otherwise. I get all of those emotional incentives that exist for people to go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. But I'm curious about the role of the structure of social media platforms. Is there something about the internet or the way that these platforms are designed that actually helps to funnel people in these more extreme directions? I think social media design has something to do with it, but less than people think. The sort of classic tale of this is you start watching a YouTube video that says what you don't know about the vaccine and you keep it auto-playing and by the end it's why Bill Gates is running the one world government. Yeah. The algorithm actually generally isn't 
quite as bad as that. When there have been quite careful studies, it does happen a little bit, but there's less evidence of algorithmic radicalization than people think. Hmm. What does exist is the fact that we kind of create our own filter bubbles. As you start to become more and more anti-vax or anti-Big Pharma or anti-Bill Gates, you might start to follow more and more accounts that back up your view. And you might find yourself blocking or unfollowing accounts that challenge it because you think they're shills or because you're falling out with them or whatever. And of course, you could do that in real life. You choose which text messages you answer. You choose who you go out to the park with or whoever. But it's very visible how we can do that online and shift our information stream on Facebook, on Insta, on Twitter, as I've got to continue calling it, um, (laughs) to suit our current beliefs. It's really interesting that you say that algorithms are not the biggest factor here. Given the amount of attention they've gotten over the past few years, if they aren't the biggest factor in this, what is? I think the bigger force at play is social psychology, especially when you mostly hang out with people who agree with each other on the same issue. You'd think if you've got a group of everyone who's against, say, ULES, the low emission zones in cities, You'd think that if those groups debate that issue, they'd sort of set a lot of consensus at the middle of the group. Hmm. What actually happens almost always, and the studies for this, is they settle on the extreme position because no one's hearing the dissenting arguments or the other side. And they sort of shift themselves because everyone's positively reinforcing each other. And so... If you start getting into a community of people who all agree there's something up with the vaccine, they'll quickly end up a lot further down the line of how bad the vaccine is. And it's just human nature, and it's very, very hard to campaign against human nature. Coming up, does the wellness to conspiracy pipeline just go one way, or is it possible to find your way back? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. James, what do you think it is about people like Jane, who you met in Devon, who find themselves in these kinds of groups but are able to pull away and say, I don't know about this stuff. This is a little bit crazy. Like, what do you think makes people like Jane different? I mean, I think that's the million-dollar question, to be honest. 
I think, and Jane actually partially credited this herself, there's something to the fact that she wasn't really with the group during lockdown. She was independent of them and so not going through the same experiences at the same time. And so rather than have the slow introduction down each step of it that leads people into it, she sort of saw them when they were halfway down the journey. And that was a much bigger leap for her to take if she was Mm. going to go with them. So that could well be part of it. And of course, she had the quite different experience of having caught and been hospitalised by COVID. So sometimes it's just your own personal experiences. Oddly, one of the traits Jane said she thought helped her not get pulled down it is the one that can itself pull people down it, in that she says she's always been quite an independent thinker. Most people who are in conspiracies would call themselves independent thinkers because they value doing their own research. Similarly, quite a lot of investigative journalists end up being quite conspiratorial because to do the job, you have to be very sceptical about what people tell you and you have to sometimes say, no, there's a cover-up here. And so when is independent thinking helping you and stopping you going down conspiracy theory lane? And when is it actually driving you down there? And it's quite hard to tell. So, James, now a few years out of the pandemic, how widespread are these kinds of conspiratorial extreme beliefs and how much of a force are they in the real world? Even though the lockdown's over, the sort of influence and the spread of this stuff is really significant. A lot of the wellness people are now fully in the QAnon movement. Where we go one, we go all. And promises of the Great Awakening stem from the QAnon conspiracy theory. If you remember the January the 6th protest, the most sort of visible face of that was the QAnon shaman. (laughs) Who again posed himself as an alternative healer type, very eat natural, lots of very traditional wellness things. Mm. At what point in your life did you stop listening to the mainstream narrative? When I realized that doing my own research brought me more information than listening to the news ever could. Once I stopped allowing the news to make up my mind or my narrative for me, I grew exponentially, not just politically, but spiritually, intellectually, and physically. And he was a leading figure in an insurrection that's now got a president indicted. And of course, QAnon is now very close to being the official platform of the Republican Party and of Trumpism. Incredible, yeah. So, you know, it is still a legitimate threat to the ongoing democracy of the world's biggest superpower. It was quite tied into the truckers' revolt in Canada. One of Germany's leaders of its anti-lockdown QAnon-type stuff, they tried to storm Germany's parliament, was a vegan chef who styles himself (laughs) as an eco-fascist. Saturday's demonstrations attracted a wide coalition of activists, from right-wing radicals to those who reject the authority of the German government or doubt the severity or even existence of the pandemic. You actually have people as well in the UK who are a long way down this. If anyone goes to any anti-vaccine street protest now, you will see that they are inexorably linked with these very extreme movements. And so... 
it's not just America and it's not just the right. This is a real force in fringe politics, in potentially violent insurrections. It's not going away. And everyone had sort of hoped it would, especially after January the 6th. And it isn't just the far right who sees these people as an opportunity. Tell me about the conspiracy entrepreneurs, the people who look at this phenomenon and see money to be made. So there's all sorts of ways you can make money from conspiracy. The easiest, and actually how QAnon and a lot of this spread in the first place, was you've got very opportunistic influencers on platforms like YouTube, and they saw that instead of why aliens are real, they were getting more views if they explained QAnon. And for a long time, those videos were still monetized. But you could also then say, hey, Patriot, or hey, gang, we need your support to continue. You can just fundraise directly and just ask people to give you £10, $10 a month. People go further, though. People use quite traditional scams in this stuff. People might say, when the secret uprising comes, we'll need some people to help distribute humanitarian aid, etc. So if you can help supply funds now, we'll give you millions once the uprising happens next year. Hmm. And that works. I'm talking to relatives of someone who's pulled into that now for a future story there's also just selling people supplements or devices that don't work there are all sorts of completely spurious 5g blockers that you can buy for anything between $200 or $20,000 to keep the mind control out of your house etc from smartphone cases laptop shields blankets protective eyewear this helps ensure that in an ever-growing world of connectivity you can log in listen read and work safe and shielded anywhere you go so if you are unprincipled there's loads of ways to make money off people like this because they don't trust the independent media or independent world to check this stuff and so they've got no way of knowing what's real and what's a scam James, you've described the problem, but I'm interested in possible solutions. What do we do about this as a society, that most of us are plugged in 24 hours a day to this information network that is filled with quite a lot of bullshit? I think we have to be careful not to overreact. There's no sort of easy way to just say this conspiracy stuff should all be banned, because at what point does saying what a big farmer up to go from a reasonable question to conspiracy mm. people should be able to go are vaccines safe or oh, people should be able to support alternative medicine so if we try to set a line there too strictly it could be quite dangerous yeah because it's pretty reasonable to say things like our politicians are lying to us the media is spinning the truth that doctors don't do enough to verify their claims when it comes to women's health so like where is the line here i think the problem is there will never be a clear line and so what we have to do is firstly we should treat this like an actual public health concern and put some research into it. The Industrial Revolution saw everyone move to cities and you had huge outbreaks of cholera and other infectious diseases. And we took that seriously, researched it, and we got 
preventative medicine. We need that actual proper research on what works and what doesn't to stop our information systems being polluted. Hmm. But sort of beyond that, we know once someone is in a conspiracy theory, it's incredibly hard to pull them out. So we have to think prevention, not cure. And one thing is just to alert people how their scepticism can be used hey you're asking this legitimate question be careful that you don't get pulled into something by a shyster and so working out what effective information inoculation looks like i think will be a huge part of the solution Mm. you said that a part of this was that people felt empowered by these theories And I wonder if part of the reason why they're spreading so much now is that people don't feel particularly empowered by traditional politics. Political party memberships are way down. People aren't members of unions anymore. They might feel a bit isolated and captive to these forces that are shaping their lives. Like, does this point to a bigger crisis of legitimacy and belief in our political institutions? It absolutely does. These kind of movements are not the cause of crises, they're a symptom of them. This sort of thing moves in when trust in conventional institutions falls. And people want the answer to be, let's teach critical thinking in school or Mm. let's put some warnings on misinformation. It's actually that people need to feel a stake in society. People have to feel like they can be better off, that government is accountable to them and cares about people like them, that society delivers for them. And that's obviously a much harder thing to fix. Mm. But if people want this stuff to go away... They actually have to look at that. And on wellness specifically, that means conventional medicine needs to look at these groups, especially these women, and say, why are we failing them so badly? James, finally, is it possible, do you think, to go back to viewing this world as a bit odd, a bit useful for some people, but largely harmless? I think we could get back there. I think... It's always going to be a bit of a spectrum. We always used to worry about people not getting conventional treatment and getting wellness treatments instead. If you can sort of have it as as well as, and I think part of that is trying to show the right level of respect to people who find it works for them. It can be, but really it only can be once we've tackled the issues that mean it radicalises people. Mm. And I guess for the rest of us, the point is go to yoga, enjoy it. But if the instructor starts telling you about this YouTube video he's just seen, maybe just focus on your downward dog. Yeah, exactly. Let him tell you how to do the lotus. Don't let him tell you that the government's poisoning the water. (laughs) James, thank you very much. Thank you. That was James Ball speaking to Today in Focus host Michael Safi. This episode was produced by Courtney Youssef. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. Additional production by Camilla Haddon. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates and we'll be back with a regular episode of Full Story tomorrow. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.